Diamond K Takwaye now presents Superfan Sunday with Jenny. everyone to another episode of M&K Talk YA. We are doing a Super Fan Sunday episode this week, Yay. which is when our fans get to share their thoughts on their favorite <laughs> series. And today joining us, we have Jenny Cruz from Gray's Lake, Illinois. Yes. Welcome, Jenny. Hi. <laughs> I'm very excited. I've been listening to the podcast whenever I've read the books with you guys, so. Yeah, since like day one. Yeah. You've been like one of our very first fans. I know, I did. I listened to all of the Lunar Chronicles. I'm a little slower than you guys, so I have to skip around. <laughs> That's <laughs> I, fine. <laughs> I listen to audiobooks, so I can't keep up. <laughs> See, we should ask you how things are pronounced, because Katie and I cannot get the name straight ever, and... You so would know. A lot of times I listen to half the book and then I go straight to the podcast and I have noticed a couple. <laughs> and you're like, wow, they don't pronounce anything, right? <laughs> well, we are here today to talk about Strange the Dreamer by Lonnie Taylor. It's the first book in the Strange the Dreamer duology. The second one is Muse of Nightmares. And Jenny, you wanted to be a super fan for this episode because you had already read Lonnie Taylor's Daughter of Smoke and Bone trilogy. Yes. Um, and I so, love her. Yeah. And you, I'm a super fan of the podcast and I'm a super fan of Lonnie. Is it spelled, pronounced Lonnie? Lonnie Taylor? I think so. What does the audio say? I don't know. Oh. I should get my phone. <laughs> I thought maybe it would be Lainey because there's an eye. That's a good bet. <laughs> Lainey? Lainey Taylor. You know, I could have just listened to one interview with her, and that would have cleared it up. But going forward. I love her, though. However you you pronounce it. You were the one who introduced me to um, Daughter of Smoke and Bone. I was? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't remember that, but um, I had a friend who's also a big YA fan who recommended it to me, and I was just like, this is so on another level than anything I've ever read really at all, but definitely than any YA that I've read. And mm-hmm. it was just, I mean, you talk about it. It's the writing's beautiful. Beautiful. And yep. it feels, I said this about, I'm going to now make this cliche because I said this about watching Game of Thrones, but it's like eating dessert, like reading, <laughs> reading her, her books. I think I said that about Marie Lou's books. I was like, when it comes out, it feels like Christmas. Yeah. Because it's just such a treat. Yeah. It's just really enjoyable to read anything she writes. So, And did you have a preference between Daughter of Smoke and Bone and Strange the Dreamer? Did you have one you liked better than the other? So I thought about this, and I had to refresh my memory about Daughter and Smoke and Bone because I really only read it the one time. And it made me want to read it again because... Wow. <laughs> um, and I I can't say that I have a preference because the Strange the Dreamer is so fresh in my mind, but Daughter and Smoke and, of Smoke and Bone is just I was listening to your podcast today to sort of refresh my memory and just the elements in it are just so amazing and I love that it's set in modern times and I love the prog element and that it's set in our world so I think that gives it a slight edge for me above Strange the Dreamer but 
uh, I really did love Strange the Dreamer also. So Yeah, it's weird that Strange the Dreamer is set in a world that's it's not parallel to ours at all. Right. Um, it's just like one of the separate worlds that they created. So it's still in the same realm of like th- many worlds. But. I think it got mentioned once when they're going through the their whatever their Bible is, their religious text, mm-hmm. and Earth was one of the worlds that got mentioned. But um, yeah, I, I hope I'm not messing up your recording equipment. No, <laughs> I'm like banging on the table. <laughs> um, yeah, I it's amazing to me how many worlds she holds in her head and how many universes but I did love that parallel to earth and to modern times and I just the characters in Daughter of Smoke and Bone Mm -hmm. and Carew and just I mean it's just always going to hold a special place in my heart but I did I the whole time I was reading Strange the Dreamer I started a little after you guys and the whole time I would come in and be like oh my god this book It is just, like I said, it's like eating dessert. It's just beautiful, and I don't know where she comes up with these things. Either. Her mind is like such an amazing and interesting place. And in Daughter and Spoken Bone, it had those little vignettes where it was like once upon a time, a girl and a boy fell in love, or or an angel and a monster fell in Mm -hmm. love, or an angel and a devil. And with Strange the Dreamer and with Muse of Nightmares, it was the chapter titles. Mm. And they would always pull from the text, and I was just like, what is like she just has these magical phrases and I'm like this is just unbelievable Mm -hmm. the just the little details of the books I think is kind of sets it apart she goes like one step further in everything to make every sentence beautiful yes which exactly you don't see that often in YA fiction like a lot of times it's about the plot or um you know having cool characters or a lot of action but visually and with the language I mean she's like does everything with a lot of intent, I think, and that makes a lot of difference. And I think that if you would ask, if you ask me, I would always say that I'm a plot person over even just a character person. Like, it has to have an interesting plot to me. I can't just have like mm-hmm. people sitting around being interesting people talking beautifully. <laughs> I just want, I want something interesting to be happening, and that's why it's so amazing to me because not only does she have this beautiful language and just make everything so lovely it is fascinating what's happening and it's so creative and it's like nothing you've ever read and it's in a totally it takes you in a totally different world and I think she just does both and Mm -hmm. you don't see that a lot right yeah and I think um one thing I really liked about both of her series is um she has a really strong theme in each one and it's actually kind of similar so Uh, the main idea is like these two opposing groups of either creatures or humans and they're on opposite sides and they're filled with this animosity towards each other and then within each group there's a single person a single individual who comes forward and kind of bridges the gap Mm -hmm. Um, so what did you think about that that whole theme and and how it presented in Daughter of Smoke and Bone versus Strange the Dreamer yeah so it all is kind of about this this fundamental disagreement of just not knowing the other side's perspective and it's an experiment in perspective taking and it's you know a universal theme I think we could all benefit from learning Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I think that it played out in such a fascinating way in both like it's amazing to me that it's essentially the same story Story. but it uh, plays out in such a different delightful way Mm -hmm. with totally different chimera and angels versus the 
gods and or the god spawn really and humans Mm -hmm. humans with two hearts so I don't know if they're really humans (laughs) but it's uh I did like that about actually Strange the Dreamer that there were humans in it Mm -hmm. um or the humans mattered (laughs) right it it didn't matter so much in Daughter of Smoke and Bone The, the humans were kind of tangential other than um what was her friend's name Oh, um, Susanna, Susanna. And, and Nick. I guess they weren't tangential, Nick. but the, in terms of the conflict, they weren't part of the larger conflict. But mm-hmm. yeah, I uh, I like that underlying theme, and I think she could do it over and over again, as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. as long as she came up with some crazy new species of creature or or played it out in such a unique and different way. I mean, I you can say that they're the same story, and then you look at it and you're like, they're not at all the same story right. because they are to- like there's alien spaceships in this one and in Strange of the Dreamer versus angels and there's some overlap but and I you think... can you can have compassion for both sides too right. I feel like with Errol Fane versus the God Spawn especially the children like they both have such unique stories and you can see them kind of struggling with what happened in the past and so it's like a really interesting question like what's a hero what's a villain. What's morality, really? Yeah. What is justified? The dangers of revenge and vengeance. I think mm-hmm. Minya was probably oh, the yeah. biggest embodiment of like what an obsession with with that. She almost had uh, multiple personalities mm-hmm. because she split herself to sort of be able to handle her life and to just be solely focused on vengeance and how that played out and you can sympathize with Minya but you can also see that that's not a path toward anything good and I think actually Nova was another example of someone who was solely obsessed with once she found out that Koriko was dead she she was consumed by this need for vengeance Mm -hmm. and there's nothing productive or wonderful or beautiful that can really come out of that as satisfying as it is and all it does is perpetuate Violence and Errol Fane's vengeance against the gods, or maybe he would say protection of his people, mm-hmm. this necessary act just perpetuated more death and violence and, and misunderstanding instead of healing. Right. And you get that moment too in both books where I think it was between Laraz and Hyaxa, Hexaya in, the, in Daughter of Smoke and Bone, um, where one person steps forward and says, Enough. Yeah. You know, I'm done. I'm not going to be pursuing revenge anymore. Like, someone needs to be the one who stands up and says no more. Yeah, and I think actually in, in Strange of the Dreamer, it's Korko, or in Music Nightmares, it's Korko mm-hmm. who tells Nova... Enough. Enough. I mean, I guess Laszlo in some sense, too, but I think Korko is the last person to say, like, stop, just stop it. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what her Yeah, and she was the last one, were. the only one who Nova would really listen to. Right. And it's interesting that she knew that that was the message she would have to leave. Mm-hmm. So, That scene was super surprising to me. Were there any other scenes in Strange the Dreamer, um, you know, when Nova came bursting in through the sphere or the citadel? Um, was there any moments in Strange the Dreamer that just stood out to you as surprising or unexpected? Um, any twists that you didn't anticipate coming? So I just thought that the whole wasp ship... <laughs> Sending the, they were sending the babies to be slaves, and uh, she was stuck. And Corico's mind, but not her full mind, because I thought maybe that was really actually just Corico, like that she just got stuck in that form. I didn't oh, know as the eagle. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that she would have like left a message, and so I was 
confused about why Corico, the 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 I don't know what kind of bird it is, the bird, mm-hmm. why she wasn't stopping Nova from just going berserk and crazy. Oh, and then I don't know the the crazy power she came up with, like the guy who created the time loops and that like time oh, loop right. of Aralfane and Azarine. Azarine. Aerofane and Azarine, how they just died over and over again. I know. I I wasn't, I know it was awful, but it, it, so all of that, that entire sequence, I was like, what is happening? (laughs) That was our reaction to. And I feel like I kind of saw some of it coming. I think uh, listening to an audiobook, I'm forced to slow down and like notice things. So I did kind of see that Nova would be coming and, and, but I, some of it, I was just like, the ex- the backstory of this whole they were being sent to be slaves and everything I was not at all expecting. So. No, yeah, me either. Yeah, <laughs> but I liked it because I think it made the book really come in full circle. Yes, which was yes. all you want. All you want is answers. So mm-hmm. and with Lan- Lainey Taylor, Lanny Taylor, Lonnie Taylor, <laughs> with her, you you know you're going to get some answer and it's not going to be what you thought the answer was going to be. But it's usually satisfying. Yes. Oh, it was such a satisfying ending. Yes. I agree. Especially with, like, the whole connection where they might go find Carew and get a body for Sarai. And see, I didn't actually know that until you told me that later because (laughs) I had forgotten, I had forgotten Daughter of Smoke and Bone that much that when you told me that, I was like, oh, yeah, she makes bodies. Mm -hmm. Like, that's I, I love the little Easter eggs that she left in this book, and it makes me want to go reread Daughter of Smoke and Bone. Um, if Lanny Taylor were to write another series, would you prefer to see a sequel from Strange the Dreamer where they go and find Carew and build a body for Sarai, or is there another type of world or story you'd want to see? So I kind of liked this one where there were nods and easter eggs like i said to her other series but i want to see what else can come out of her brain yeah and i liked that this was a duology i don't i felt satisfied i don't feel like i need the answers to what's going to happen i think i got enough and i think sometimes characters and series can be drawn to too far that I just get burnt out on them and Mm -hmm. so I would prefer to see I mean she has an entire universe of worlds she can pull from because she created these seraphs who traveled to the very ends of every universe Mm -hmm. so you know I want to see even if it's just like that world where the sea was red and there were trees coming out like Mm -hmm. what happened there how are people surviving what is happened what is that so I want to see what else she can come up with. Yeah, and she's, she's just so creative, um, and I almost feel like the world she created are endless. Um, so even like to see there were seraphs who went one direction slicing through worlds and seraphs who went the other direction, I almost want to see like what happened in the other direction. Yeah, exactly. And, and for all we know, I think it's said in Muse of Nightmares, for all we know, they're still going mm-hmm. because the seraphs on the one direction went too far. Right. So what's happening on that other side and where did they land and where are they now? And yeah, that's, please, Lainey Taylor. Give <laughs> please us, write more. <laughs> write more things. Um, 
So in uh, Strange the Dreamer, we had these god spawn children who had different powers. We kind of talked about that a little bit before with the ability to create time loops. Um, and, you know, Ruby can control fire and Feral can control the weather. Is there, um, if, if you were a god spawn, <laughs> is there a superpower that you wish you had? So is it one, it has to be one of the superpowers we knew yeah. about? Okay. I think then I would want, um, what's her name? Who does the growth? Oh, Sparrow. Yeah, if I had to pick a gift, I'd want Sparrow's gift because I like, if it had to be one of the gifts that one of them had, she can heal and make things grow. Mm-hmm. And it's it just seems like the most beautiful and and. and amazing she gift. saved them although being able to enter people's dreams and like play around with them would be kind of cool too i don't really want moths to <laughs> pour out of my mouth every night um and i wouldn't create nightmares for people but yeah i think sparrow's gift of of growth and healing is it's beautiful is beautiful and lovely mm-hmm. and can be used for so for such good you know yes like with yes. Sarai's gift I feel like she has two options like she can create nightmares or she can give people peace and yes. that kind of power ooh, I know it's a little scary also it sort of really feels invasive to enter people's <laughs> minds 100%. when they sleep I would never want anyone to come into my dreams although I do tell you about my dreams quite a lot <laughs> I get recaps of Marissa's really bizarre <laughs> dreams it's because I'm reading too much YA fiction yeah um okay last question and we always talk about this on our show um we always say we never read series that are already made into movies because we like to envision the world ourselves Mm -hmm. but if strange the dreamer were to be made into a movie do you have a favorite scene that you would love to see come alive on the big screen i want to see this one of the it would have to be one of the scenes in laszlo's dream weep Mm. and Maybe the one where they just go shopping and he buys her a moon bracelet. Or the scene where they pick out wings yeah. and they go flying. Like some kind of romance. I mean, my God, what a romantic <laughs> book. What a great date. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I mean, not to belabor the point, but just like how she described the, the first kiss. Mm-hmm. like And the eating cake. Like, I just can't. I I don't know how they would make that into a movie, but if they could make Dream Weep into what she describes it as mm-hmm. and execute it well, gosh, I would love to see that and just have them have that romantic scene in a movie. Oh, I totally agree. Just like walking down the street, seeing like the centaur and his lady, and yeah. oh, especially the wings and how like one was fox fur wings yeah. and stuff like that. Like, where does she come up with that stuff? I don't but know. I totally agree. That would yeah. be beautiful to see. Yeah. Um, well, the last question, which isn't really a question, but more of a request a requirement. <laughs> and a requirement. Um, we always finish our podcast with a dad joke. So do you have a joke for us today? I have a few. Oh, so, good. Well, we'll see. I don't know okay. if they're very good. <laughs> so my daughter. <laughs> the, worse, the, the worse they are, the better, really. Okay. Well, my daughter's turning three this week, and we're having a dinosaur birthday party. Oh, So I looked up some dinosaur jokes. <laughs> Uh, what do you call a dinosaur with an extensive vocabulary? I don't know. A thesaurus. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, what was the other one I was going to tell? Oh, <laughs> what do you call it when a dinosaur gets in a car accident? Oh, no. Um, crash. I don't, I don't know. A Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> 
<laughs> as soon as you started saying it, I was like, oh, I know how this is going to end. Yeah. <laughs> I read a swimmer's back. That is amazing. Yes, dinosaur puns. I am doing lots of dinosaur puns for her birthday party. So I We will have to tell some of these jokes because they will love them. Yeah. At the party. Yes, that's a good point. It's a good double use of all these dinosaur jokes that I printed. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, You're welcome. I loved having you on the show. Yeah, that was fun. I would do it again. Great, please do. Yeah, I'll let you know if there's another book I just have to talk about, and (laughs) I'll make you put me on your show. (laughs) Anytime. All right, bye, bookworms. Go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.